It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. The plan was to get this roster with this new regime. They were not keeping this roster, my friend. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels were not keeping the roster they inherited from Mayock and Gruden and before that. And there were going to be changes, and we told you. Are you with me on that? Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. That's it. That's all we've been telling you all year if you've been listening. They have a plan. I'm not saying it's going to work. It's going to be 100%. But I'm behind the plan. The plan is to get it up to speed where it's really good for a long period of time. You are what your record is. Sound off like you got a pair. And now, JT, the man to miss the legend. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT on a hot, hot day in Las Vegas. Hope everyone's doing well. Busy show today as we get you set for the Raider tight ends. We'll tell you that today. Wow, another morning of me just shaking my head going, man, the list is longer than you think. The list is longer than you think as we move on. I'll get to that coming up here in the monologue brought to you by Golden Entertainment. They own PT. Listen to what they own. They own PTs, 64-plus locations, Sierra Gold, Sean Patrick's, the SG Bar, all the bars that we love here, Arizona Charlie's, and they own the Strat. They own the Strat, which is iconic here. Really, the kind of the Empire State Building of Las Vegas, and they're a proud partner of the show. They fuel the monologue and get me rolling here every day. Hope you stay out of the heat because Steph McKenzie, who is, I got to say, one of the queens of the Raider Nation, because if you say she's the queen, then people, trolls, come into my DMs and yell at me. So she's one of the queens of the Raider Nation and probably the most famous rock jock in town. She's going to jump in quickly. We have a water problem for the homeless. We have a water problem in Vegas at 115 to 17 degrees for the homeless, and we're going to help. So we're going to do that here in about 10 or 15 minutes, and I think it's you know, more, more that we can do in town to help you and your charities and all of that. You know, I'm not going to vet every charity that calls me and asks for help, but if you want to call in, you're a caller on the show, and you want to help the homeless, you want to help animals in the heat, you want to do anything to help along the way, please, we invite you to call in. If it's an emergency, something important's happening, and uh, you want to talk about a charity and something that's legit, uh, you're always welcome to call in at 702-365-9200. So we're going to go through the tight ends today in a little bit. It's a bigger group than you think. It falls into a combination of what we saw yesterday, yesterday when we did the linebackers. The Raiders have had a void at the linebacker position for so long that I had to go back, 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 back in the day and then go through some of the deeper names of people that you weren't aware of. And a lot of people enjoy that because they want to learn about the old timers. You know, we mentioned Reggie McKenzie. We mentioned other people who played for the team. And you start talking about it, and I think Raider fans want to hear Raider content when there's nothing else to talk about. Also, before I forget, today, look at your phone, today is officially the slowest sports day of the year. There's like a new asterisk they want to make out of this. I won't participate in it in regards to like running away from sports. But after the ESPYs, which was last night, which was really bizarre, very bizarre, very bizarre, the ESPYs last night. But after the day after the ESPYs, there's nothing. There's no baseball on. Baseball starts tomorrow. There's no football, no training camps. There's no basketball other than summer league. There's nothing. So this is officially the dead of the dead zone today. And I'm here. And I got to pump out content, and I'm going to do Raiders all-time team. We're at the tight end position. So as I was starting to do some homework today, and I'm not a homework guy. 
I'm not. I'm just a guy who watches sports, goes to games. I think I'm really engaged in sports. But this is a lot of homework because it's got I got to text people who played with some of these guys and go, tell me something different. And a lot of people are chiming back in and telling me something new and different that I didn't know. And I got a couple of guys here that just blew me away at the tight end position. You think you have the three, and you're probably right. You probably have the three. But the four and five guys are as good as the three. And I'll get into that, and we'll dive into that. So what I'd like you to do is call in now with your favorite tight end story. How many radio shows around the world, let alone North America, are going to talk about Dave Casper today? That'd be none. Dave Casper's your guy. Raymond Chester's your guy. You're listening in Los Angeles on our live stream. Todd Christensen is your guy. So today, we begin with the tight ends. It's time for the Raiders Radio All-Time Raiders Team. The best of the best at every position. The greatest Raider team of all time. The Raiders Radio All-Time Raiders Team. Today's position, tight ends. All right, so for the tight ends, we're going to dive into the Captain Obvious, the players that you all agree with are in the category. What I'm looking for is three, okay, because I'm looking for three tight ends, and the only looseness I have wiggle room here is you could talk about a slot guy. We put Khalil Mack yesterday in our linebackers, overwhelmingly Khalil Mack, out of respect to the legends who played in bigger games than Khalil, we put Khalil on the second team. I don't think it's going to be controversial to talk about Darren Waller, but it might be for some. Waller's numbers were enormous. They were enormous for a short period of time. He was basically thrown away by the league and the Baltimore Ravens on the practice squad. It's one of the great stories to tell in the Raider history as they discovered him in warm-ups in a game in Baltimore and ended up bringing him in, and he was a great player. Did Darren have flaws? I don't want to go down his flaws because what he's done off the field is much more important than what he did on the field. Going into the tunnels, helping the homeless, his sobriety, everything he's done to help people get sober, like Max. So I only have great things to say about Darren Waller. But Darren Waller at the end of his career with the Raiders was not available to play, and that's the reason he's not here. Period. And that shouldn't harm anybody Big boy radio, as I talk about. Darren Waller is not here for a reason. He wasn't available to play at the level at the end of his run here that he could have and maybe should have been available. That's all. Guys get hurt all the time in sports. How quickly do you come back? When are you supposed to come back? How do you train and rehab? All of that coming into play. He's not here anymore. Once a Raider, always a Raider. I think Darren Waller, and he's going to the Giants, and the Giants are good. They got Saquon Barkley like we got Josh Jacobs. They got Daniel Jones, who had a better year than Jimmy Garoppolo. Daniel Jones won a playoff game. Derek Carr never won a playoff game. Daniel Jones just did. Daniel Jones got a super max contract extension. And the Giants historically have pretty good defenses. So Waller is going to be the A guy on the Giants in the number one media market. So I wish Darren well, unless he's playing the Giants, and he's playing the Giants this year. And the Giants are coming here. So I wanted to go with Darren Waller first because I think some of our younger audience would rather talk about him for an hour, hour and a half than dive into some of these old-timers that you might not be familiar with. So where would you slot Darren Waller on the all-time Raider team? Where would you put him? Would you put him three? Would you put him four? 
said the same thing about Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack was more dominant than Darren Waller, but Darren Waller was very dominant for a short period of time. And he had a really big impact on the league. I, I really think Gronkowski's the greatest modern-day tight end. But Gronkowski was great. He was great down the middle of the field. He was great in the red zone. He was a better blocker than Darren Waller. But, you know, if you want to talk about Darren Waller today, we are not shying away from that. Just like I won't shy away from Derek Carr when we get to the all-time quarterbacks on this team. Because that's going to be bleeping dicey. Okay? When we get to that, top three before the honorable mentions. And uh, some of the old-timers in gold jackets who I'm using in this off the record they, they're, they're hard on me. They're like, whoa, whoa, whoa what? What do, you, what do you mean that? Uh, so they're listening. I got guys listening now, uh, some of the all-time greats, and they're helping me along the way here, but they want to stay anonymous because this isn't official with the Raiders. This isn't an official Raiders deal. It's just Raider Nation Radio. So I wanted to lead off with Waller and get your opinion on him, and it takes a good phone call to, to call in on Waller because I'm asking you something specific from the black hole to Las Vegas, to the diehard Raider fans, what is your opinion of Waller now that he's left compared to the greats who have ever played for this team? 702-365-9200. Uh, my favorite, and I, I, you know, this favorite people you like doesn't mean you don't like the others. I love Dave Casper. Raymond Chester's my favorite guy. Raymond, what he dealt with uh, coming out of Morgan State, uh, the Raiders, then to Baltimore, and then back to the Raiders. Raymond Chester's legacy in this organization, and still what he does now as an alumni, is bleeping amazing. He's one of the greatest athletes to ever play. He was Darren Waller 30, 40 years before Darren Waller, and maybe better. More athletic than Darren Waller was Raymond Chester. And Raymond Chester had to deal with racism. Raymond Chester had to play in a really unique time in football when he came out. In 1970, he was the first-round pick of the Oakland Raiders, and at that time, around the country, everything we dealt with, with civil rights, Raymond was in the middle of it. Raymond was with Clem Daniels and Joe Morgan and Bill Russell and Jim Brown and all that. And he had to play football, right? He had a lot on his mind, Raymond. Raymond was one, one of these jocks who showed up and just grabbed his helmet and played. He cared about social injustice at the time. And he is a kind gentleman, man. He is special. And he's around this organization and he's really a good player. It's really fascinating after the trade to Baltimore in 73 to a really good Baltimore team that the Raiders went up against. Chester played five seasons with them before coming back to Oakland. And then he played with the Raiders in 1980, becoming a Super Bowl champion in Super Bowl 15, which is really important that Raymond, who was there at critical times, 70 to 72, then 78 to 81, Raymond missed. Raymond missed part of the greatest era in Raider history, 73-77, to 77, where the Raiders won Super Bowl eleven, He wasn't on that team. And you look at Raymond, fortunately, he stuck around for a while. He's a four-time Pro Bowler, first-team All-Pro. Uh, 364 receptions, over 5,000 yards, 48 touchdowns. This position has evolved more than any other position because the minimum amount of yards the old tight ends used to get. They used to run. You imagine if you threw to Dave Casper the way they threw to Darren Waller? You know what Dave Casper's numbers would have looked like? Dave Casper was a blocking tight end who was brilliant and caught every ball that was thrown to him. Dave Casper, one of the most important players in Raiders history, the tight end out of Notre Dame. Raiders 74 to 80, very productive with the Oilers 80 to 83. And Casper 
was just so important because when he came to the Raiders, the Raiders needed him. The Raiders needed that extra element that was going to help the Raiders become a championship team from 74 to 80. Another guy you could say arguably played in the greatest era in Raider history. He's involved with two of the most famous plays in NFL history, the ghost to the post and the holy roller. Are you kidding me? He caught the ball in the ghost to the post. The 42-yard reception set up a game-tying field goal, forced overtime, and the Raiders went on to a victory, 37-31. He had the 10-yard touchdown in the second overtime. In the second overtime, Casper. And then in the Holy Roller game, when the ball was kicked from Casper and they beat the Chargers, Dave Casper's involved and is the name behind Ghost to the Post, and he's the Holy Roller recovering that fumble. So when we look at Dave Casper and the games that he played for the Raiders, no doubt about it, uh, one of the most important names in the history of the NFL. So those are just two or three that I'm mentioning in the beginning. I want you to line up on the phones again. I'm not a jockey coming around the back turn. When I say phones are open, get going. This is Raiders programming for Raider fans from Los Angeles to Boston, those who listen in Florida, my buddy Raider Crusader in London, This isn't a podcast. We're doing a live show. We want participation during the all-time team. We're at the tight ends today as I bring in Steph McKenzie, who has some important important things to say. And as we're doing tight ends today, you like Darren Waller a lot. You liked him a lot. I know you're disappointed that they moved on from him. But now we have Michael Mayer at a Notre Dame who has an opportunity to be a Waller-type player, and they really got a hit with that pick. If he can play well this year, it's going to give the Raiders a new element. Well, you know, I always come in swinging, right? right. And hello to everybody. First and foremost, I just want to let everyone know, because I don't think you give yourself enough props. You did a great time at the introduction of the rookies that we had Thank a few you. weeks ago. They I were know good. You. Weren't they good? Oh my gosh. So well-spoken. Yeah. It's so exciting to see it. And I always tell you this, we are going to win each and every year. <laughs> That's my prediction, so well, don't ask me. <laughs> for the new Ra- Raider fans, and they all know you, but for from a, a newer audience who might not be that familiar with you, you despise the Broncos. We have to win the Bronco game because we go we to Buffalo. To. We go to Buffalo. Forget about Denver for a second. Right. Buffalo is the Buffalo Bills home opener. They are Super Bowl or bust this year. Ugh. So that game is brutal. And brutal. I think the Raiders can go short in the game and run the ball, keep Josh Allen on the sideline. But that, to me, magnifies the Bronco game week one as Russell Wilson looks to be in better shape. Sean Payton's there. They hate the Raiders, but I think we want to catch them week one as that new Russell Wilson, Sean Payton thing begins. Well, and I also think that it's very important right out of the gate. you got to win, right? Yeah. We, we can't be moving things around like we did last year, right? Last year we come in for myself. I'm speaking mm-hmm. to myself. Yeah. They're going to win, right? They got this. They got that. They've moved this around. The offense was good. Defense, mm-hmm. eh, a little weak. We needed to see yeah. some holes that we saw there. And then we were like, okay, we could do this because we didn't do this last week. We can't have that this year. No, no we have got to come Come out swinging each and every game and be strong. You make a great point, Steph McKenzie in studio. A great point. Last year it was like, okay, we didn't play well this week. We got to play better this week. And, and then we'd get it. We'd be teased well, for we, like two games. And then well, there were five games. We had double-digit leads and lost. Five. Yeah. So this year the playbook has got to be ready to go week one. Right. And no more, hey, can Derek Carr fit in this system or not? He didn't fit in the system the way they wanted him to. Wish him well. They can't be, it's going to take Jimmy six weeks to get into the system. We got him for a reason. He's got to come in, if healthy, which I expect he's going to be, 
He's got to be ready to roll week one at Denver with those fans who gave you crap and always gave you crap when you oh. went into the mile high. Oh, and speaking of that, I just have to share stories because I'm always full of yes. stories and see it when I'm out and about. So I go to get my nails done, right? I'm mm-hmm. sitting there. My nail lady and I have been friends for years and years, and she's got another client coming in. And she is a huge Bronco fan. And I'm like, you cannot book us anymore. Back <laughs> side to back. By side, I back go to out back. to the car to the parking lot, get my car, which my car's all raided out. Her car is all broncoed out and she parked right next to me. I'm like, oh, this is not going to work. <laughs> this is not going to work. <laughs> and you're, you're, you're bringing the heat at the now. And salon. I cannot wait for August 13th for the first preseason. To me, I am a crazy fan. You know this. I know that. Preseason is important to we me. We only have one game at home. I know. We got one game at home. And That's I love it. this. Uh, so we got one preseason game, the Niners, then Dallas and the Rams. All right. So there is a priority now for safety with the heat. You've yes. been here a long time. I want to get to this. The homeless you know, people say, well, you have homeless, more homeless on the West Coast for the weather. I get that. And they need care and they need around the clock attention. But then when the heat comes and it could get Scary. to 117, what do we do for them in regards to a water responsibility? Well, I'm going to back up a little bit. I host Neon and Beyond, which you hear uh, mm-hmm. on Raider Nation Radio every Sunday from 7 to 8 uh, Pacific time. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough to speak with some of the Southern Nevada firefighters who have teamed up with the emergency rooms here. This will be their, they did their fourth annual flip-flop drive. In the three years that they've done it, they've seen the burn issues from the bottom of homeless people's feet diminish. Not diminish to get rid of when Mm. I say that, but it has gone down. So it does matter, right, Mm. when we help a little bit. And these care packages include flip-flops, water, like a granola bar or something, Mm -hmm. right? We've now teamed up with Help of Southern Nevada for their annual water drive. We're calling it a water party, and Mm -hmm. Raider Nation Radio is part of it. It's happening this Saturday from 10 to 1 at the Help of Southern Nevada's parking lot, basically East Flamingo and Maryland Parkway, for those that might Mm -hmm. be here or want to come join us. If you bring a case of water, which, by the way, helps two of their clients on the streets, a case of water. A case of water. Represents two. Two, right. Okay. You get a free car wash from Terribles. Nice. Yeah, so we're going to be doing that. We're going to have a water fight, and we're going to have food trucks, Mm -hmm. and we're going to have the music jamming and have a good time. It's a big deal because I relate this, and the homelessness in this town and and all around the West Coast and all around this country seems to be a bigger problem. It's not—we're not fixing it nationally, which bothers me. You know, I talk about the pets all the time this time of year. People just make mistakes. People make mistakes with leaving kids in cars. I, which I can't imagine kids. how anybody could do that, but some of the nicest people in the world have made that mistake, yep. and it's been the biggest tragedy. But the pets really concern me because my, I got a dog that comes in and out, can actually open the door with his paw and get in and out, oh, which is cool. interesting. But this time of year, he goes out, looks around for a second, right back in. And I think that people go to work at 6.37 in the morning sometimes, forget their dogs are outside, they're getting a coffee, they're, you can't, you do, can't that. do that. And that's something I've been bringing up a lot. But the water issue is really important. So this is just bring as much water as you can. A case is of water, cash for donations sure. too? Or? If you want to do a cash donation, yep. you can go to Help of Southern Nevada. It's Help of SN, uh, Help of Southern Nevada, uh, yes, helpsnv.org, okay. and you can donate on the website. We do a lot of good stuff around here with charity work. I mean, you've been at Lotus a long time, and I want you to share to our streaming audience all around the country how important that is to you. You know, it's important to me, Bobby, who's here, to try this. This uh, radio network is based on charity. 
Absolutely. And I will say that the other cool thing that I was blessed to be a part of, and this will hit home with everyone listening, we have an event coming up called Battle for Vegas. Yes. And Battle for Vegas, this will be the fourth year it mm-hmm. started. It's our Vegas Golden Knights versus our Raiders, Team Crosby, Team Riley. Team Riley, uh, you know, Riley mm-hmm. Smith was the one that was got the traded. beginning. Well, he got traded, but he started sure, this charity he does thing. His deal, yeah. Right? And each year they pick a charity. Which is so cool, right? right? And they really go in. And that's what I want to really, I hope everyone's listening. They don't just go, oh, you're the charity. No. The players from both teams are in this charity. And this year they have selected Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Southern Nevada and the Public Education Foundation here in Southern Nevada. And they've been working with them. I talked to the Big Brothers organization. And they've done amazing work in taking these kids. Mm-hmm. And the kids that they've worked with are going to be on the field on July 22nd. So I just think it was really cool to find out what the Raiders specifically. I love the Vegas Golden Knights. Mm. But, you know, I love the Raiders, what they've been doing with you these do. kids. Uh, on a rock note, uh, my wife rolled her eyes when she found out it, uh, that I'm going a power trip. Oh, to see yes. the biggest metal show at Coachella. She's like, really? I go, what do you want me to do, man? I got friends. They want to go see some hardcore rock. You? I know. but You know my wife well. She's oh. just like, okay, go. we go to a lot of concerts there. The big news is Ozzy, Ozzy backed out and Judas Priest will take over, which is a big deal. Each show will have 100,000 fans Well, and the by Polo the way, field. people were so excited on 97 won The Point that Judas Priest took it over. Not that we don't love Ozzy, but Ozzy really needs to take care of himself. Yeah. He's had so many things, and I get the push. Do you know that there are 20 classic rock bands, and when I say classic rock bands, meaning classic rock 20-plus years ago, 85 and below, 20 of them are on the road still still touring. Yeah, I think they do. We're going through this resurgence with festivals and tours and everything else, and uh, the old-timers are still out there because they're cashing bigger checks well, that's than they did be in the history a, of their career, right? Anyone that's going to Power Trip, amazing. <laughs> You're going to have just such an amazing time. Well, the only time. way I can go is the Raiders play Monday. <laughs> right. So I don't have to be, worry about being on the road. Well, a three-day thing. What I mean, I can only imagine you. Two for me. Two for me. Oh! Yeah, I got two. I'm tapping, I'm tapping out after two. Again, okay. one more time about the water and what we can do. Uh, East Flamingo and... Maryland Parkway? Yes, this weekend with Help of Southern Nevada, we're doing our water party and we're going to be in the parking lot of Help of Southern Nevada. We'll have food trucks, we'll have water guns, we're going to have all kinds of stuff. If you can't make it between the hours of 10 a.m. and 1 p.m., you can go to their website and donate right there on the homepage. Take care. Get back to being a PD and a rock jock. We'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Go Raiders! There she is, Steph McKenzie. Uh, She's fantastic to us. Okay, so we're getting into the tight ends. Uh, We mentioned Casper. We mentioned Raymond Chester. I mentioned Darren Waller. Uh, Here's a tease coming up in regards to the tight ends. Holy cow, Billy Cannon. If you don't know who Billy Cannon is, the Heisman Trophy winner, and the impact that he had on the Raiders, there's a really good chance that Billy Cannon's on this list. He had that big of an impact in the evolution of this position with the Raider organization, and he was a great tight end. Unbelievable from what he did as a Heisman Trophy winner, how he evolved into a tight end, all the positions he played. So that's another name that I'm going to dive into in a little bit. But maybe the easier topic to get the phones going on this is who was your favorite tight end? Because that's compelling to me because as many people that called me about Todd Christensen or text me, as many did the same with Casper. They played in different eras but not that far apart. So Casper's numbers compared to Christensen I think will amaze you. Because Christensen doesn't have a gold jacket, and Casper does. Antonio and Modesto, start us off on the Raider flagship. JT, another great show, like always. Hey, um, 
I, I'm going to go first. I think the, you first asked about uh, Waller. I put Waller somewhere around fifth. Um, I got ghosts, of course. And you talked about Ray Manchester. Ray Manchester watched that game on the sidelines with the Colts in that 77 ghost mm-hmm. post catch. But but mine, and, and I, uh, it's a little mushy that it's, it's Todd Christensen, man. I mean, and he's gone now, but, you know, to see his career, I think he even returned an onside kick one day against KC way back in the day. Um, mm-hmm. He just was a true professional. To hear his, his post-career broadcast, the way his, his vocabulary was just so – just, just had you roll it all the time. Then he describes the uh, the Marcus Allen touchdown on uh, the Raiders uh, um, replay mm. of the '83 Super Bowl. Uh, he's my top. But honorable mentions, um, I'm going to go with Warren Banks and who kind of touched up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not Google googling on this. I go back to '73. Billy Cannon. I know the name, but I don't know if he was before my time. I go, I go back to '73. Warren Banks didn't catch the touchdown. Zach Miller, who got who blew his knee up, but was a really tough, solid tight end. Um, Ricky Dudley. They said he couldn't catch, but I just thought the guy just missed it by just a little bit. I just really wanted Ricky Dudley to succeed. Uh, but I got I got uh, Darren Waller, who you know we're all into the what's it, what's hot and mm. what's going on now. But I got Ricky, I got uh, I got Darren Waller around fifth. Um, JT, Thank, thanks Thank for you. letting me on the radio again. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Good to hear from you. We need to hear from more people. We're talking about tight ends. Very important class here as we're getting into it. Uh, another one I'll mention is Derek Ramsey. And the impact that he had as a multiple Super Bowl champion was a quarterback and a tight end at the University of Kentucky, part of the team that won the 1976 SEC championship. He was first team All-SEC when he came in, and what a career he had. So he was with the Oakland L.A. Raiders from 78 to 83, and wow, he was a starting quarterback at Kentucky. And then he was a two-time Super Bowl champion with the Raiders, with the Oakland Raiders and the L.A. Raiders. Uh, Definitely someone high up on the list. And that's why I'm proud we're doing this event on the radio here. We're talking about people that you're not familiar with, which is the greatest joy for me. You know, and it's great joy for me to try to do this. But we got to get people to check in on Twitter, at JT the Brick, and on the phones to kind of talk about their guy. And the Todd Christensen-Dave Casper debate, I think is interesting. Because Casper played in more of a run era And Christensen was so good that they had to evolve in the passing game to him because he just got open like a wide receiver. And he got open like a wide receiver quickly. And if we didn't have Darren Waller to talk about, why has there been a void at the Raider linebacker position and the tight end position? We got good guys we're going to mention. Zach Miller was a good player. Remember Doug Jolly, who I'm going to get to, friend of the show. But we didn't have the Gronks lately. Didn't have the elite guys until Waller came around. Now Michael Mayer is that player. We're going to talk to Levi Edwards next hour on the addition of Mayer and what we can expect from him. He did a profile on him, and we'll talk about the impact that he's going to have. So 702-365-9200, give me your top three tight ends of all time. Any era of the Raiders in your order that you have or your favorite tight end and who should make the list by the end of the show. This tweet goes out at about 145. we got to come up with the top three. Not top two, three. And then I don't think I'm going to ever go to sleep again when we get to the cornerbacks. Oh, my God. The cornerbacks? Oh, my God. How am I going to do that? Uh, I can't even get to eight, let alone ten, so we'll touch on that. We thank the DeCastaverde Law Group, Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde. Raider fans, love this promotion. You get into an accident, 702-222-9999. In this town, there's chaos all the time. 
and you want calm attorneys with a track record who are humble and will go out and do the best work for you, no better than the Castaverde Law Group, 702-222-9999. This is the Raider flagship. You know, basically you do your job and and you keep your coach quiet. If a coach is talking to you, you're either not doing your job because he's, and if he's talking to you being funny, he's not doing his job. So John very seldom said much to me. And then after we did, after we played the Super Bowl, I don't remember talking to him. And after we did those plays, he just goes to the sideline. You know, then you just move on. I mean, it's just, you thank God that you didn't screw it up. Dave Casper, very unique guy to talk to. I've been talking to him my entire uh, coming up on 25-year career with the Raiders. And every time I see him, like the last time I saw him at the alumni dinner, he was really engaging to me. Very like, hey, man. And we were talking because he was talking to Michael Mayer. And there were other times where I'd walk right by him and, you know, you just leave him alone. The ghost, the ghost, uh, cerebral, Notre Dame, really important. I think this connection with him and Michael Mayer is going to be huge. And Michael Mayer, who I think is a really smart kid out of Notre Dame, is smart, which he is. He'll lock into Casper. They're from the same school, and they wear the same number. You want to talk about a mentor? That should be a mentor. Uh, We're looking for your favorite tight end of all time for the Raiders, 702-365-9200. Bob Moore, tight end from the Silver and Black. Uh, Oakland Raiders, 71-75. Very good player. 70 games, 981 yards, seven touchdowns. A critical part of the Raiders and their evolution leading up to their first Super Bowl victory, even though he was not on that team. Played in a lot of the big, big, big Raider games in the classic rivalry games. Really important to talk about those guys. Those guys from the late 60s to mid-70s who played, clearly Raymond Chester, but when he wasn't there, who were some of the other guys? I love Roland Williams. Good guy. From Rochester, New York. He went to the Q's. Syracuse. I consider him a friend. Uh, Played with the Rams from 98 to 2000. Played two seasons with the Raiders. 2001-2002. Highly productive player. With that Super Bowl team. Went to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after that year. Came back to the Raiders in 04. And if you look at his run here and what he was able to do with the Super Bowl champion. It's tough to say a guy went from the Raiders to the Super Bowl champs with the Buccaneers. Following his stint with the Rams, he played three years for the Raiders. Raiders won the AFC Championship in 2002-23. Uh, 2003, excuse me. In 2003, he played one season with the Buccaneers. So here's a guy who was on two pretty good teams back-to-back. Uh, he was a good player. 114 receptions, over 1,000 yards, 13 touchdowns in the league for Roland Williams, a guy who played hard. Played hard, was a physical player. And I think one of the guys that uh, comes back now and everybody is really happy to see him. Very good guy. People are happy to see when he's around. Once a Raider, always a Raider. As we look at some of the other depth players here that we have, Jared Cook. When I get to Jared Cook, Jared Cook I thought was going to be a Raider for a lot longer. But the Raiders were making moves at that time. And Jared Cook was one of the best physical athletic Raider receivers that I've seen. He came in, he was a beast, and he had some huge games. In Oakland, where he was the go-to guy. Was in the third-round draft pick of 2009 with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, came to the Raiders for 2017. 
in 2018. And I like the way he played, and I still like the way he plays. Uh, as a player in this league overall, he's very solid. Uh, the last time, runner-up time with the Chargers, he played for the Saints. Uh, he was good with the Saints from 19 to 20. And I think a guy that a lot of Raider fans respect. Because when he came to the Raiders, he came in and he played very hard. And he was a guy who was always open down the middle of the field and would make a big uh, catch in traffic. He was a really good traffic cop and a guy who could who could get open and played for some really good teams, and every team seemed to like him. In March of 2017, the Raiders signed Cook to a two-year, $10.6 million contract, $5 million of it guaranteed at the time. And if you looked at that, there was some competition when he came in, but Jack Del Rio made him the starter, and he played really well throughout his time there. Very impressive player. He started in all 16 games for the first time in his career, and his career-high 54 receptions for 688 yards and two touchdowns. So I like him too, but he will not be on the Raiders' all-time team, but someone who will get a mention today. Raider Rowe in San Diego. Appreciate you participating. Hey, JT. Thank you. Uh, Todd Christensen, I saw him as a youngster, and I just remember always having the feeling of, hey, we got a badass as our tight end to go with our awesome receivers and running backs. And, uh, you know, I think – um, behind him, you have Casper and, and Chester, no doubt, two and three. Uh, to me, Zach Miller actually comes in ahead of Waller. You know, mm. um, I thought Zach Miller had some awesome game-changing plays, and I wish that you know we, he could have had more time with us. Um, I come to mind a huge touchdown down the seam against the Chargers, a mm -hmm. epic touchdown against the Eagles. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I always wanted to see Darren make some of those plays, and I think maybe that's still in his future. But I always felt like he could have given more, you know, maybe not as much as even a third of uh, Travis Kelsey. Um, he kind of took my thunder with Cook. Uh, he was someone that I actually thought made a huge contribution, even though it was limited time. Mm -hmm. um, the catch comes to mind as his big catch that set up that uh, final against the, the Chiefs where we had to go for it a couple times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, you know, We've had awesome tight end lineage, but a lot of the guys had short stints. Brandon Parker was another guy that had 14 catches in one game um, comes to mind. And Roland Williams, I think that at that time we were kind of snake bitten by sometimes getting let down mm -hmm. um, by Ricky Dudley. Roland Williams brought some, um, you know, toughness to that position and, you know, I think help, helped us in the running game as well that season. So um, he was huge. Mm -hmm. That was a time of free agents on the Super Bowl team, so. Yeah. Hey, was that my list? Thanks for the Thank time. You. Thank you. Thank you for participating. He even called with a baby in the background. No excuses for the men and women of the Raider Nation to call in on this topic. Uh, let's get to Zach Miller, a really good player that I like, and he's a sharp guy, a good businessman now. He comes to the torch every year and sees us here. He was a Super Bowl champion with the Seahawks. He caught a Super Bowl after the Raiders with the Seahawks. He was a pro bowler in 2010. A very good player. Excellent player. Zach Miller, uh, coming out of Arizona State, where my son will be a junior this year. Quick story, I want to give my wife a shout-out. She drove yesterday, drove yesterday to Tempe to kind of move my son out of the apartment before the new one, and she called me around 9 o'clock and says, we're coming home. I go, no, you spend the night there, you know, no, we're coming back. The wife did eight hours. 
for the youngest and grinded it out on the road because she didn't want to wake up today in Phoenix in that heat and drive back here. So long day for my uh, much better side, my wife, who did a great job yesterday. As I mentioned, ASU was Zach Miller went, played for the Raiders for 07 to 2010. In his career, 328 receptions, 3,800 yards and 20 touchdowns. Again, that's a nice career, depending on where you're going to play and who you're going to play for. Uh, Miller led the Raiders in receiving in 2008, 9, and 10. How the hell did that happen? How did he lead the league in receiving all of those years on the Raiders? You want to talk about a drop-off? He played very well here. But, man, Miller led the Raiders in receiving yards in 8, 9, and 10. That's not a good thing. You know, you want it's not Devontae. That is not Randy Moss in his prime. You're supposed to have a receiver. He was able to do it. And the Raiders selected him after some disappointing seasons. You know, guys that they were trying to build around. Courtney Anderson, Doug Jolly. He finished his rookie year with 44 catches for 444 yards and three touchdowns. And he was added to the AFC 2011 Pro Bowl when Antonio Gates had a withdrew due to an injury. But, man, he had some big years here. Where do you slot Zach Miller? All time? Well, you're not going to put him ahead of Dave Casper, but you should have a conversation on him. He was a good player. Kenny Thompson, my good friend, is one of the best sports talk hosts ever out west here. God, you can hear his show in every market, and he's calling in. Kenny, you love the tight ends. You love the linebackers, too, who we did yesterday. How are you, buddy? Hey, JT, always a pleasure, man. Yeah, you know what? And, and Casper was, to me, talent-wise, you know, he was absolutely awesome and some of the big plays he made. But Todd Christensen, I love Todd Christensen, the man. And I thought, you know, I'd watch this guy. This guy was like a, you know, with the Howard Cosell vocabulary, man. He was unbelievable. He was an outstanding color commentator. I always enjoyed watching him doing broadcasts. And, uh, you know, to die in his 50s, I mean, just taken much too early. But he was somebody that resonated with me that I just, I just felt like this guy, this guy's the real deal as far as a man that I want to hang out with. And I just, I really enjoyed him. I never got to meet him in person like you probably did, but... Mm-hmm. You know what, JT? I thought he was a class act. You know, Kenny was a great broadcaster, too. Very cerebral. And you mentioned the vocabulary. And whenever there'd be a college football game or an NFL game would come on and he'd be on the broadcast, he was very polarizing because some people didn't like the hair and the, the Hollywood looks and the vocabulary. He was very confident with his vocabulary. And that was a beautiful connection with you from Howard Cosell to him because Howard's the icon of that. But most jocks who get into that position... They're good, but they didn't have the vocabulary of Todd Christensen, I'll tell you that. Yeah, you know what, JT? That's funny you say that with the hair, because I don't think I've cut my hair since the last time I saw it. You know, kind of, uh, you know what, at the end of the day, sometimes you let it go. And it's funny how people judge people in certain aspects of life, right? In other words, if you're into, uh, you know, sports talk radio or whatever, or even TV, you know, people look at you like, what's wrong with that guy? Like, why did he get his hair cut? But yet if you're, you know, somebody that's a middle linebacker for the Packers, like Clay Matthews, and you got your hair long, then those are people that, yes, I love that guy. Or Pat Tillman, we go back to his ASU days and when his hair was long, and look at that, what a charismatic guy he was. And he's cool, he walks to the beat of his own drum. But then there are certain you know, aspects of life that you go through to where people turn their nose at you and judge you just because you're doing what you want to do or what you feel is comfortable for you. So I did enjoy that about Christensen because he walked to the beat of his own drum and was never intimidated by anybody else. Take care, Kenny. Keep calling in on this. You're great with this. I'll talk to you soon, buddy. You're the best, JT. God bless, brother. There he is, Kenny Thompson, checking in. Sports talk host. Uh, Find him on all his platforms. Really sharp, really sharp gambler. Uh, one other Raider tight end I want to mention, once a Raider, always a Raider, future Hall of Famer Jason Witten. 
Okay, played for the Raiders, played for the Raiders in an important year. And as we're building this whole vibe in Las Vegas, considered a Dallas Cowboy, obviously. Obviously, but the fact that he played for the Raiders and came here in 2020 in a pivotal year here with everything that we've had to deal with, COVID, all that. He was around in the community and caught a couple of big balls there. And he was at the end of the year. He was he was at the end, end, end of his career. But a nice player. You know, you don't you want to retire with one team, and Dallas didn't want him. And he brought something to the Raiders, and I thought him and Derek Carr had some good chemistry. And the few times I got a chance to meet him and interview him, what a gentleman. He tried uh, as a broadcaster. I don't know what he's doing now, but, man, I'm looking at his bio here. <laughs> I mean, he's a lock for the Hall. You know, he's going to be a great Hall of Famer and a lot of the work that he did in broadcasting. But the Raiders signed a one-year contract in week four against the Buffalo Bills. He had a touchdown. Remember that one, and it was a good one. And, again, it was a big deal that happened with COVID-19, and we didn't get to get a chance to see him a lot. In that 2020 season, he started seven games, 13 receptions, two touchdowns, and he announced his retirement after that. So we're talking about everybody who played tight end that you'd like to mention as we continue, man. Enjoying this. Good to hear from some calls. I'll go to Twitter, at JT the Brick. Give me the order of your top three tight ends of all time. Where do you slot them? Who, who you have. And when we come back, a few more names. Levi Edwards next hour, and we'll get into Levi, the current tight end room, which has got to be good. I think it's pretty good. They brought in some guys before they drafted, which soon should be the starter for the team. Well, how much will he play in the preseason? Will he block all the time? We'll get into Michael Mayer and the impact he's going to have. JT, as we continue on. Hey, we're brought to you by our great friends at Resorts World. So many places to see. Just get in there, park and go walk around for days and see all the activations. And now Plunkett faces a possible pass situation at the 35. Incomplete, complete to Raymond Chester. He could go all the way. 30, 20, Chester has a touchdown. Looking at that play, off the hands of Kenny King, right into the hands of Raymond Chester, and no one believed it. No one did. Back on NBC, off of Kenny King, Raymond takes it there, and Charger fans were stunned at that time. Hey, we're talking about the Raiders' all-time tight ends, and let's mention Foster Moreau, who, from what I see, is cancer-free now, coming through his treatments, uh, 61 games, 1,107 yards, 91 receptions, and 12 touchdowns for Foster Moreau. Uh, A very good, very good player. And as he moves on to New Orleans, we wish him well. He'll play with Derek Carr. Pretty good team there. I'm sure Derek is going to lean on him. Uh, depending on what his role is going to be there with the chemistry that they've had in the past. Really enjoyed watching him play here. He's a good player. Very good player there. And when they threw him the ball, you know, you'd get a drop with him. You would get a drop with Foster. There'd be a drop. You knew it was coming. Didn't know where. But he made some big plays. And he was tough. And what I loved about Foster Moreau is when he caught the ball, he didn't go out of bounds. He got you the extra yardage. A very tough football player. So we're looking at your tight ends. Top three of all time. We'll tweet that out about 145. I need to wrap this up in an hour. 
and we don't have enough people voting yet. So I want to hear some calls on this. Your all-time favorite, Raider tight end, 702-365-9200. All right, so for 10 years in a row, I did an exclusive up in Lake Tahoe at the American Century Golf Tournament. 10 years when I was at Fox, they sent me there. I did my show out of one of the casinos there, and it was one of the highlights of my life. Charles Barkley and me really bonded. He came on. Michael Jordan was there. Some really interesting incidents happened. The president and Stormy Daniels, that was there. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger, his incident, was there at this event. I did that for 10 years and met a lot of good people, Marcus and Jerry Rice, Marcus Allen, and all of that. But that was the biggest event this week in sports. And then the ESPYs came around. So what would happen is the guys would go to the ESPYs, then they'd take private jets to Tahoe, and then they'd have to play golf the next day. And Joe Theismann was really big, and he'd come in, and Joe would want to win the tournament, good golfer, and play. And the ESPYs were last night. And look, here's the only thing I'll comment on it. Pat McAfee opened up the show, did a really good job because Kevin Hart turned it down because of the writer's strike. So Pat McAfee basically went on live, and he did a really good job. And he did. He's kind of, no matter what you think of Pat McAfee, he's changing the way we listen to radio and we look at radio with streaming. So he did a big job there last night, and I thought it was pretty good. Then they started giving out awards, but the LeBron thing was weird because LeBron came up there, and it was supposed to be, is he going to announce his retirement? Everybody knew, and they, they played it up like he was going to leave and make the announcement there. That was a buzz. I'm like, what are you talking about? His son, Bronny, was next to him. He's waiting for his son to get to the NBA because he's going to play with him. Here's a little bit of LeBron James last night, which I thought was very awkward. I don't care how many more points I score or what I can or cannot do on the floor. The real question for me is, can I play without cheating this game? The day I can't give the game everything on the floor is the day I'll be done. Lucky for you guys, that day is not today. Lucky for you guys, today is not the day. Lucky for us, you just got boat raced in the playoffs, and Denver just was the best team, so lucky for who? And LeBron's a great player. He's all-time leading scorer, and he had his wife on stage, and she was going to drop some profanity, but her daughter stopped her. It was a bit, and then his two sons were there, who I think are nice young gentlemen. They look like great kids. His whole family, his wife looked great up there, but I just thought LeBron just was trying to send some bizarre message that he's the greatest of all time. And I think he's in the category. I defer to Jordan first, but LeBron's still available. He played out last night that he was the GOAT. Listen, you can, you can love me, and I, and I know some of you hate me as well. But the one thing you will always do um, is, res- is respect me and appreciate uh, the way I approach the game and what I've given to this game. Um, thank you. So, again, if you watch the ESPYs last night, and they always do a nice job when they have the Arthur Ashe Award, the Pat Tillman Award. You know, it's a tearjerker event. That's what Jim Valvano made his speech. There's been some very important moments there at the ESPYs, but some of it is really weird. And the reports today about Disney potentially looking to sell ESPN. I mean, I've always just said good things about ESPN. I might want to get a job there someday, right? Or back in the day on the radio. You never get on the radio. And you, ESPN's been the undisputed king forever in sports. But, man, they're looking like they're dumping out of everything. Bob Iger opening to move Disney, move uh, ESPN out of Disney. Trending today. Why? 
Leave it alone. I mean, some people think it's woke. Other people don't. I don't know, but I watch ESPN all the time for sports. Doesn't seem like Disney's really interested anymore.